All right, welcome to Behind the DM Screen, where three DMs talk about their campaigns and help each other out, and this time with a live audience. Awesome. So we're here live at Gen Con uh, for our August episode, and uh, we're going to jump right into it. Randall, you're up. Oh, wow, totally. Excellent. <laughs> just, to, just to stress you out, I'm starting the time. The starting the clock. Ten minutes, okay. go. Well, with ten minutes, I'm not going to talk about the major issues that's going on with my campaign right now, but I will describe what I am doing with my campaign. Now, it's a little different than these other guys. Um, what I've decided to do is that I took the uh, Mist Universe. Some of you may be familiar with that game from way back in 1995. And um, the uh, Miller Brothers... Uh, put that together, and um, so I've decided that I thought it would make a pretty good D&D campaign, and there are some things that have to be changed. Um, those series of games don't really have uh, monsters in them. Uh, there are some bad guys, certainly, that kind of figure into the game, but they're not really monsters, and, um, and there's a large um, puzzle uh, aspect to um, those games, obviously. Um, the mist- now, now, real quick, yes. did you actually play this month? Yes. That's always the trick with We you, actually <laughs> did. And um, because what I did was, after they finished the Mist campaign, uh, I decided to start converting Riven over. And that's where there were some major challenges. And as a result of the last game, well, maybe I will talk about the last game. Because yeah. it didn't go as great for some of my players as I, what I had originally hoped. Because the... If you've played Riven, you sort of are kind of dumped into the middle of an environment where the environment itself provides your clues for helping to solve the puzzles. Instead of them being right there in front of you, you sort of have to be observant of everything and then sort of gather information as you go. That does not really translate that well to the tabletop, which I found out in that first session that we played in this campaign. Um, uh, quotes I got were, most tedious game ever... And now, uh, this doesn't feel like D&D, and so, which is great feedback, because as a DM, if you're not willing to accept that kind of feedback and work with it, then you need to consider what you're doing, because that's a real big part of it, because the whole idea is to have an experience that you and your players both enjoy. And if some of the players are not enjoying it, then you've got to look at that and, and see where that feedback's coming from and what you can do to change it. And so what I've done is... In that kind of situation, uh, is that I've decided to add some more elements into Riven that will be more D&D-like. Yes, it'll still be an outdoor exploration. There will still be puzzles, but the puzzles will be more direct. And there will be ways on the islands to, particularly with the villagers and things, that they can get, uh, if you will, quests. I mean, in a way, I mean, that's just the terminology I want to use it won't be quite that direct it's not the fact they're going to be little question marks above their heads or nothing Um, it's not like that but they will be able to you know interact with some of the people that if you're playing the video game they don't really figure into it into the game itself that much I mean if you talk about Riven when you encounter the villagers they all run away the first time and they lock their doors and you never see them again and that's how that kind of works that's not going to be the way it's going to be in the adventure they're going to be able to interact with those people and, um, and tell a more full story. Because I think the story itself is a fantastic story. I mean, you've got a bad guy. You've got a guy that's trying to rescue his wife. You've got a lot of things in there that work perfectly well for a D&D adventure. And, um, and some great puzzles, too. But the puzzles will have to be a little more direct and not rely on this situation where you have to look at the entire environment like you would be able to on a, um, on a computer screen. So I'm curious... Um how how important is it for you and your group that it feel that much like a D&D game? Well, it was more important to me, and that was the problem. Okay. You know, and I think that I had, you know, I didn't realize how that was going to translate when you're actually around the table. Mm-hmm. And um, and so it did. It didn't work out that great. Because so. I, was, I was wondering if sometimes you can take a D&D game and then splice in some aspects of some other games. Mm-hmm. You know, like Mike does all the time with Fiasco, right? right? He likes to use the relationship concept of Fiasco in his D&D games to, to make people feel more connected or whatever. Um, and I wonder if you couldn't take a more investigative, puzzle-solving, focused game and not, not like, say, translate your characters over to that game and do it, but, but take some of the ideas and aspects from that game and lift them into your D&D right. campaign. You know, maybe take Gumshoe. 
uh, which is on my mind because we just talked to Robin Laws yesterday, right? Um, but maybe take some bits of Gumshoe, which are very you know investigative based, and, and sneak that into parts so that some of the puzzles and investigation parts could. Happen within the context of the D and D game, and I think that's a possibility. I mean, essentially, uh, the issue comes down to the fact that Riven is very much like. Well, you guys probably have seen at least one episode of Lost, and you are you end up with more questions at the end of the episode than you started that, that get answered. And Riven is a little like that, and that does not work well. Mm-hmm. And it particularly does not work well when you play one um, a game a month. And so there's too much time between those sessions, and so I've got to have a way to, to make things flow much faster. Um, and I think I've found ways to do that. So I'm looking forward to next month's game because um, I'm going to put in some of these fixes that I've uh, uh, been thinking of and got feedback about, and I think those will um, work out pretty well. Um, how are we doing on time? It hasn't gone off yet. You're good. Oh, okay. <laughs> Don't worry. You'll know. So... Um, yeah, you got five minutes, four wow. minutes. Wow, okay. I'm being efficient. very succinct, I guess. Yeah, very efficient. And I screwed up the timer. It's um, it's an exciting thing to do because I, I enjoy converting other properties and, and making them fit D&D. And, uh, you know, if, if and this is one that I've liked for years and years, and we'll probably continue it. Uh, the next step in this will be probably, assuming they survive Riven, because you never know, you know. I got to say that as a DM, right? Um, even though I have this great story arc planned, it's like you never know. And I want them to take them back to a more D and D type setting, and then I'll probably finish off with um, Uru. And I don't know if any of you have heard of that property, but um, uh, it sort of will help finish out the campaign. And I'm hoping to time this just right so that they'll hit. Um, an epic level uh, by the time that we're about ready to roll out D&D next. And that'll be nice and tidy, which is probably two years away. So, you, you know. Can you talk a little bit about... So you, you do pretty extensive encounter design and set pieces. Yes. Very, you know, a lot of details and a lot of and, like, and really when, interesting When you say things. encounter design, you don't necessarily mean he pours over his monsters. No, I mean he's got a setup. He's got a 3D terrain setup. He's got things that light up. He's got all kinds I'm, of... If you haven't seen the setups, you need to see them. I'm kind of a terrain whore, yeah. Yeah, so, how does, <laughs> so if, you're, if you're setting up an environment that's got a little bit more of an open an open investigation kind of standpoint. How does that work when you're also setting up these pretty elaborate set-piece battles? Well, and what I've actually done is I've taken a step back. Um, with Mist, it was easy to do the elaborate setups because every section was very discreet. And it's not like that in Riven. So what I'm actually doing for my maps and things this time around is I'm taking game paper, a little plug for game paper. Um, you can find them out in the uh, dealer hall. But I'm taking that material. Because it's dry erase, um, if you're gentle... I'm using dry erase Crayola crayons, and they work really well. And if you make a slight mistake online or whatever, and you take their little pad that comes with the uh, dry erase crayons, you can brush it over, and it works just fine. And it's a fantastic way to do it. And I'm taking the maps. There is a person who goes by Calixia on the Internet. I don't know anything else about this person other than her website, where she has drawn some maps. And I have taken those maps and scaled them up to uh, one inch equals five feet. And so basically each, if I describe this right, the islands and Riven are, are gridded out, and there's a specific reason for that in the game, uh, so that you can think of them as coordinates. And each one of those coordinates is 20 by 20 as far as the grid is concerned. So I have to take those, and I will be drawing um, with crayon and filling things in and drawing the items on those 20 by 20 grids and putting them together. So it'll be easier to swap out so as they go from one island to the next I can easily start putting down other sheets and it's not quite as as tedious that way. Have you you tried this in front of your players yet? I have, well we tried the the first map that they explored in the session that didn't go that well. I had it all out there at once and was but was hiding pieces at a time. That did not work for them. Did did they feel kind of cheated on going from these pretty elaborate set pieces that you had to a 2D, or was that not really a factor? That really wasn't a factor, I don't think. Um, (laughs) It's interesting. One of the the things that Mike oftentimes, uh, I think, has looked into is is where you get the most bang out of your buck for DM prep. So 
Yeah, bang, does, bang for the buck. Does it sound exactly like the, the right. amount of time and effort you put into those elaborate set pieces yeah. didn't really matter because they didn't complain or didn't care about the going No, on? I think they enjoyed them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, though, that, like I said, the two... The <laughs> but two as horrible games go, that wasn't the horrible piece. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, in fact, one of my players is actually in the audience. She's sitting all the way in the back, back there. And so, and she was one of the ones that, I'm going to throw you under the vest, hon. Um, All right, I'll throw you right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, save oh, by the bell. <laughs> Good timing. Nice. You can finish your thought. But um, I think for the most part, the revealing a little bit at a time was actually the tedious part. And that there is really, and that was, that'll be another part of, of the challenge. And one of the things that I'll improve is I'll be able to make the maps in such a way that having the whole map out there will not be a spoiler for the game. Mm-hmm. In other words, um, it, you know, they may say, well, I want to go to there. Well, fine, I'll let them go there because they can see it. I mean, there's not a really big deal. Uh, sure, there may be trees and other factors in the way, if you will, but, you know, I, I'm okay with that. That is not a big deal because they're originally going to explore the entire area anyway. So um, it'll make it less tedious, and I can certainly just, you know, well, we want to go there. Fine, well, you know, go over there. Cool. Yeah. All right, uh, let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor, Continue Magazine. Continue Magazine is a quarterly online magazine uh, about all kinds of gaming. Video games, card games, RPGs, miniature games. They talk about anything having to do with games. Check them out at ContinueMag.com. For entire generations of people now, gaming is as much a part of the fabric of their reality as television, films, books, music, and any other form of entertainment medium. Continue is a magazine for the gaming community, the global gaming community. Not just video and computer games, but board games, card games, role-playing games, alternate reality games, and anything that falls into the category of humans engaging to have fun. A celebration of gaming. Everything we love about this mad entertainment sector. Continue Magazine at www.continuemag.com. Oh, is it my turn? Mike, you're up! Yay! Oh, Mike. All right, I'll give myself 10 minutes. I'm running the clock, so I'm going to give myself 15. No, <laughs> just kidding. So I finished up my Gardmore Abbey adventure. Um, I am going to be spoiling Gardmore, so if any of you are playing in it or plan to play in it and have not read it, um, things I'm going to describe are not huge surprises and if you've read through the game at all you know that a lot of the big surprises are actually random factors in the adventure so it's not like and I totally changed it anyway so you're not likely to (laughs) spoil too much Um, but you know big things like the fact that you're really trying to go around Gardmore Abbey collecting pieces of the deck of many things and put them back together again that that's the spoiler so if you you know there you are um so the, the, the final couple adventures in Gardmore, um, I, I changed quite a bit. One of the things I'd been doing throughout the entire Gardmore adventure, and one thing that I really enjoy as a DM, is building different NPCs and building different villains and having them all going about their own courses throughout an entire adventure. So if a party decides, and in this case they decided that they were with Sir Oakley for a little while, mm-hmm. and then they said, you know what, the, you know, we, I, I had uh, Lord Padre yell at them because he's like, look, you're up there doing exploring old stuff, and meanwhile the orcs are still raiding. You guys are supposed to come here to stop the orcs from raiding. And the party's like, oh, okay, I guess we'll go work on that. And then Oakley's like, what the hell? You know, we were, we were stop, you know, I guess if you're going to handle this orc problem, instead of the fact that demons are pouring out of the depths of the planet, that's up to you, you know. So, so Sir Oakley got kind of mad, and, and the party went off to go deal with the orcs. And that meant Sir Oakley was on his own personal quest. And so throughout the whole time that the PCs were working with the, the orcs and turned, they, 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 you know, defeated the orc lord and he, it turned out he didn't want to be a lord he just wanted to go do his own thing so they started a big ponzi scheme operation using all the orcs to learn how to profit from the fact that they were there rather than killing them all and while all of that was going on uh sir Oakley, so, so were the orcs raiding for them then yeah so the orcs were actually raiding and protecting the group simultaneously so some of the mercenaries would go and fight off orcs in mock battles with wooden swords so that the guards would pay the mercenaries to protect them from these orc tribes. So they and and you know so they were 
Wow. Two different groups. Were, yeah, were, right, they, were they the heroes or the villains? Neither. They were oh, okay. the big world of gray in that one. Nobody actually got hurt, but except their purses. Yeah, their purses. They're fleecing, got they're yeah, fleecing, they're fleecing the, the populace. Yeah, so. Nice. So the one well, operation, like and the party kind of let that go. Like they, they found a really smart guard and said, "You're in charge," and then left him in charge of the whole thing. They never went back to him again. So who knows? They what put him in charge that. of the Ponzi scheme. Yeah, because he turned out he was really. So brilliant. they created a, a new. Thieves Guild Master. Yeah, essentially. Okay. Right. We'll see where that goes in 10 years. But in the meantime, Sir Oakley was on his whole quest, and I had this thing where Sir Oakley was going to, um, you know, he's trying to collect the deck of many things himself, and uh, the Oni Mage um, captures him and doesn't. Captured Oakley. Captured Oakley, and didn't know that, uh, or got Oakley's cards, and. Um, figured I'm going to hang on to this guy because I can kill him anytime I want, but I, can, I can't really bring him back to life, so I might as well keep him alive. And, and that was a really interesting one, because I kept thinking, like, why would he keep him alive? Why wouldn't he just kill Oakley? And if I really thought he's going to kill Oakley, he's just going to kill him. And the PCs wouldn't even know, right? Like, it was, they were so far away, the next thing you know, I find Oakley's body. That's brilliant. I, lo- yeah. I love the idea of a campaign being dynamic. Yeah, so there's the things... The PCs do right. something, there are consequences right. that are happening behind the scenes, even though it wasn't printed in the... Right. Printed. And the way, the way I was trying to think of it wasn't from the standpoint of, what do I want? I don't want the party... I, there was one moment where I, where I kind of changed based on, on feedback from one of the players but uh, generally speaking I said what's the motivation that really guides them and, and they're true to the motivation so if they would have killed Oakley but then I figured he doesn't really want to so kill did Oakley. the temple never get sanctified no it did so what happened is Sir Oakley got captured the Oni took over and turned himself into Sir Oakley and then he met the spy master for the orc chief who said look at this old guy I can take him and then got her ass kicked by Sir Oakley because Oakley's a bony mage, exactly. not actually Sir Oakley. And so the party finds her, and she's like, "Man, that old guy's fast," and she's bleeding to death. And she, oh, I had, I had a party roll a heel check for her to see if she died or not. And he rolled, and she survived because she's crafty. So she, even though the Oni Mage stabbed her through and left her for dead, she actually survived. But she could have been dead, and they would have found the body. Um, so they said, well, we'll leave you here. We'll leave you some food and water. And they go inside, and they find Sir Oakley, who's there. And he says, hey, what's going on? I said, oh, we just found this gal outside that you stabbed. And he went, oh, she's not dead? And they were like, no, no, she's, she's fine. We have, and he goes, okay, well, don't worry about that. Anyway, I got these minotaurs <laughs> that you got to go take care of. Well, if you've read the adventure, the, the, the Oni Mage is on the side of the gnolls who are fighting the minotaurs, and they're at a stalemate. So... As I, thought, I thought the Oni Mage was playing both sides. Well, he is, right? Okay. So this is his way to play both sides, was I can get the party to go wipe out the Minotaurs. The, the Gnolls will be strong. I won't lose them. And meanwhile, now I'll have me and all the Gnolls. And he also knew that the party's really tough, right? So he's watched them killing a whole bunch of guys. So he's like, I'm really going to need to put him in a spot. So he says, go take out the Minotaurs. Go into the dragon. Or, or he doesn't tell about it. He goes, go into the final room. It's empty. And you can walk right in and it'll be fine. Right, so he sends them on their way. So they go on their way. Meanwhile, he goes outside, kills the woman, right? Because they left her out there, so she's dead. The party believed him. Yeah, well, because they thought it was Sir Oakley, right? And they did, but he also has really, really good disguise, right? He's a pretty powerful guy. But yeah, they, and they kept saying like, "Well, that was because he's really kind of acting a little tougher than Sir Oakley, normally tough." And they were like, "Wow, she, he did take out that." So maybe they. I, it wouldn't shock me at all if some of the players are like, I'm pretty sure he's bad. In fact, somebody, one of the players said something like, he's acting, he could probably be a villain. So, um, so they go and they fight you know, three encounters in a row to get to the, um, they fight two Minotaurs, they walk into the room and fight the red dragon with no rest. And they, and they walk in and they're like, holy shit, holy, you know, holy cow, <laughs> there's a red dragon in here. And, and it's not just a red dragon, it's all the kobolds, right? So they fight all these kobolds and while they're fighting the kobolds, the red dragon wakes up. Right, and then they got to fight the red dragon. So they beat down the red dragon, and as soon as they lay the killing blow on the red dragon, which they did by weakening it and dazing it, yeah. knocking it into a corner, kicking it around for a while, and then, <laughs> but you know, they blew all their encounters and dailies on him. And then the only and then the only just right at the door with a whole bunch of gnolls saying, "Gotcha," yeah. and, the, and, the, and the players are like. Well, we get a short rest, right? And I'm like, no, no, you don't get a short. They're like, but I spent my all my encounter powers in the red dragon, dazing and weakening. I'm like, yeah, that guess who knew that? The Oni Mage knew that, right? So the Oni Mage goes in, and they they were like, you know, my one player who normally is like, this game's too easy. He's always talking about. He's like, we're all gonna get wiped out yeah. <laughs> because we don't have any heals left. Yes. We got nothing. And I'm like, here we go. Now we got a tough fight, and they still beat him down. You know, they still pulled it out, but it was a really rough fight. And then all the, you know, oh, and he walked in and he threw the head of the woman, right? And then shifts in from, from Sir Oakley to the Oni Mage. So, um, so that was, you know, one of the things that I really enjoyed about, about this. And then they, oh, so then the thing was, okay, well, what happens to Sir Oakley? Because he said, if you kill me, 
Sir Oakley dies. You know, like my Noel, my Noel guys have him. And, you know, like he's lying there on the ground. And he says, if you kill me, he's going to die. And one of the players is like, I kill him. You know, and he just kills him. And I'm like, whoa, that's interesting. So in my little book, I'm like, well, killed, killed who? Killed the Oni Mage, right? Oh. The Oni Mage is saying, I, I, if I live, Oni, you know, I thought Sir Oakley like, lives. I thought, for a second there, I thought you're like, well, you can't threaten me, and they killed Sir Oakley. <laughs> <laughs> no, Sir Oakley was a killed, right? killed the hostage. They, 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 had, nothing right, right. they had Sir Oakley in another chamber. Oh, okay. and, but his thing was, well, one of my gnolls escaped, and his orders are, if I don't come out, kill Sir Oakley. So, and this is the one moment where I kind of pivoted the, you know, the, the story in order to fit. Because I figured, look, they made their choice, right? The party said, you know, the party had an opportunity to save Sir Oakley, and they specifically didn't. So that means he's dead. And, and then I have one player, you know, I went around and I did, I did the, the Chris Perkins thing and said, you know, we have two sessions left in this adventure. What do you really want to have happen? And my wife, who's right over there, said, I want to save Sir Oakley. Right, that was the one thing she really wanted to do, and I'm like, okay, you know, so maybe, and then I'm thinking about it, like, well, so the Knolls don't really, you know, the Knolls had their top guy just killed by this party, who's probably going to come in their way. Maybe they're going to use Sir Oakley as, as uh, uh, you know, bar. maybe maybe the Knoll that had him and was supposed to kill him wasn't so dumb to kill him and be like, hey, sorry, I killed your guy, and then they just killed him. <laughs> so they did have they they did have this chance and they did go in and they did manage to save Sir Oakley and then they they got out and then the guy you know then they had the opportunity okay um, and then they fought the Greyblades I'm not going to get into the Greyblades but the Greyblades are the the other alternate NPC adventuring party and they were off doing their whole thing so while the party was doing all this they were collecting all the other cards from all the other places and then when they went outside um, they had their final climactic battle and uh, which was the PCs whooping their asses really fast um, so uh, the one other big change I had is when they had the deck I said okay well I want them to fight something big so one of the things they're gonna, they, they could do is Sir Oakley's going to say, okay, you have the deck, give it to me, and I'll protect it for all time. Right? Like, I've been here for 300 years, I'll be here for another 300 years, and I made that part up. Um, o- that he's, o- that the Oakley's a- actually a, a, this, not just a descendant of the knights, but he actually is one of the knights that protected it back oh, in okay. 300 years ago. Sure. And I don't know how. But, he, you know, so I said, and he will just go and he'll it's do it again. It's chaos magic. Right. He'll just go and he'll do it again. And, um, so his thing was, he's going to ask the guy for the deck. Well, the guy who he asked for the deck was the very guy who said, I Was I Oakley your secret collector? He was a secret collector. Okay. Yeah. One of the things that you know in Gardmore is you get to choose who the last guy was. The problem is he was a secret collector, but he lost all his cards because the only base got it. So, um, so he said, give me... Oh, no. I didn't get to my new campaign. So, um, <laughs> so he said, I'll, I'll finish up this final Maybe story. one of them will ask you about Hopefully. Hey, somebody <laughs> ask me about my new campaign. Um... So, uh, uh, just to finish it off, so uh, Sir Oakley went to the guy who, you know, had killed the Oni Mage and basically left Sir Oakley for dead. And that was the guy who had the entire full deck and said, give me the deck. And I, in my mind, I said, if he doesn't give him the deck, he's turning into a dragon. He's going he's gonna to manifest as an avatar of Bahamut, and they're going to have to fight the dragon. And I said, if he, you know, if he does give the deck over, the deck is going to resist it and manifest into a Dracolich. So, one or the other, they're fighting a dragon. It's just, are they fighting the dragon that's Sir Oakley as a silver dragon? Which I was are they fighting re-skin. the good dragon or the bad one? Yeah, or are they fighting, fighting Dracolich? And I was surprised the player said, I hand him the deck. And given, given the way your players are, I, I they could have gone good right. or evil. Well, honestly, <laughs> I wasn't sure that it wasn't going to be, he says, no F you. And all the other players start to beat on him. And then a dragon shows up. And that would have been a crazy melee. So, and then he like starts drawing cards. You know? <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen? So, he... Um, so he handed over the deck. The deck manifested the Dracolich. They fought the Dracolich and killed it. And then the deck reformed again. And Sir Oakley took the deck and walked away. And the all players were like, "I really wish I had drawn a card." So they said, "Like, just draw one. I want to see what it was." And it was like, "Ah, uh, a devil." You know, I was like, "A devil is chasing you." Because I used the original yeah. deck of many things list. So, so that ended the deck of many things. I thought the ending went well. Michelle, did you feel the ending went well? Yeah, so that's a good review. So, um, <laughs> you know, I thought that the uh, everybody seemed to kind of get what they want, and, and uh, now I'm off to new things. Right on. All right, so uh, I appro- – well, maybe we should have gone in the opposite order. Um, I just started Gardmore Abbey in my last session, and he just finished Gardmore Abbey. Um, and I, I tried to set things up in such a way that I could start the campaign with the players not necessarily knowing each other. But all being tied to getting into this quest, this this Gardmore Abbey thing, and so I went through. I actually made a spreadsheet of all the quests listed, 
in Gardmore Abbey, there's like 23 of them. Uh, you know, and so the spreadsheet lists the quest, where where the, the person is that gives it, who they are, what the reward is, all these kinds of things, right? And I use that quest list then to then sort of build that into the backgrounds of the characters. I worked with them to sort of build the, their, their characters so they'd fit into the setting and all that kind of stuff. And I said, oh, well, this thing that you did... Uh, like uh, we have a barbarian from the, the was it the Stone March mm-hmm. area, right? That's the wild area with all the that's where all the orcs come from, whatever. So there's a human barbarian. He's from the Stone March, and his story is there's um, uh, the orcs raided his his tribe one time uh, recently and ran away with some of their sacred totems, and one of the sacred totems happens to be one of the cards from the deck of many things that is now in the hands of the orc chief, which they haven't figured that out yet, but. Uh, don't listen. <laughs> um, so, you know, and so that was his sort of hook, and, you know, he's looking for these orcs. And so I did that with all, a lot of the quests. You know, I've got one guy who was um, who's a, a hired killer, a mercenary, uh, that is part of the Iron Circle that left Harkenwald right before that whole adventure happened, if you're familiar with it. Was it the, the DM kit? I think the DM kit. Yeah, had the Reavers of Harkenwald adventure in there. And so he was part of the bad guys there and left, which is good because a couple of other PCs knew each other because they were the good guys in Harkenwald. Uh, and so his hook, you know, one of the one of the quest givers in uh, Gardmore Abbey uh, is secretly a member of the Iron Circle. And so um, to him, that's not much of a secret, Right. She's not secretly a member of the Iron Circle. She's his contact in town. And so, you know, she's using him to manipulate the party to, to, get, to get things and whatever. And so I, I have all these disparate quests. And so before the adventure even starts, they've all got a bunch of quests. And then to f- sort of forge them together into one cohesive group, um, one of the, the PCs was from Winterhaven, which is the, the base of operations for the, for the quest, uh, and was basically sent to Falkrest to gather up at heroes to help Lord Pedreg, who's having this problem with orcs. And that was sort of, hey, well, we're all headed this way anyway. Let's all form together into a group and go, and go um, achieve our goals. And they met Sir Oakley there. He joined them because he was heading the same direction as well and all this kind of stuff. So they all have the, these goals in Gardmore, individual and as a group. And some of the individual ones might end up conflicting with each other. Um, which could lead to some interesting, interesting things, um, and then so, you know, then they went in. They they did the scouting of of the area, which is the first quest from uh, to deal with the orcs, um, and doing that, they ran into the uh, was it Barian, and Baron, yeah, Barian in the, in the Fey Grove, and that led to that quest chain, um, and at, within one session, the first session, I think they they plowed through seven or eight quests. Just wow. bam, and and we're and we're discussing it as oh well, I guess we reached the end of that quest chain. Right? Yeah. It, it it didn't feel very natural to them because they just saw quest after quest after quest. After How many of those were the major quests though? I mean, there's some big long quest chains like you know collecting Pedregs or collecting their, um, Sir Oakley's three or four. Yeah, things. they have. They've only done the first part of Sir Oakley's. You know, Cartwright. Right. And, they've only done the first part of Oakley's, uh, which is. Uh, Go get into the temple to sanctify it, and then find out. Oh, we need these sacred vessels. They're not here. Oh no, we gotta go find them. So they haven't done any of that. Um, before they did that, they did that as part of scouting the larger area because they're like, well, we can go up on the hill and just see the whole thing, right? Um, and so that also completed that quest. Right. But they first entered through the Fey Grove, where they ran into a bunch of the stuff. The, the first thing they did is they ran into the Albers in the cabin. Mm-hmm. Um, they kill the Albers. Al- they find these records. Um, conveniently, one of them said, "Well, this might come in useful later." And they, they, they stashed them, right? <laughs> Ding quest, right? And so, so later on, when that quest came up, he's like, "I really need this thing." <laughs> Huzzah! Oh, look, I have it. <laughs> oh, that was an easy quest. Check. You know? That's like five thousand experience. <laughs> well, in that case, I've got this other quest you could do. <laughs> and that's when it starts feeling like a, a, just yeah. a massive question. They, they, they spent most of their time doing Baron's quests. Mm-hmm. Um, they got as far. I mean, they already completed the first entire chain saving a sister mm-hmm. um, I, had, I had the same thing happen with the sister where they saved the sister first and then walked her back to Baron and had never met Baron before oh, no, and well, then yeah, showed up yeah, there yeah. with the sister and like hey ding and yeah. that's, part of the, that's part of the beauty and the risk of Garbo Abbey right, right. Is that yeah, it's a they, great they can go anywhere they want yeah. and sometimes that means that things that, that feel linear end up being completely non-linear right and, and that's not bad <laughs> um, my concern is that it's 
because it, does, it doesn't feel real organic right now. Now, it's the, only the first session, and I have the time now in between sessions to do some of the, the dynamic things you were doing, like what, what, how are what they're doing affecting other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and what does the Oni Mage think of all this? Right, right. And I haven't... I, and, or Vaden Cartwright. Like, I mean, they, he was they, a villain that was wiped out of mine immediately, and I think he could have been a really key villain. Yeah, and, and, and some time they, with. they haven't learned anything about that. They, they, that's one of the quests that I couldn't quite find a way to fit in, so they haven't done... But the big question is, what's Vaden Cartwright doing right now? Doing, yeah. 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 Right. Well, and, and you... And, uh, when you were talking about the way you did things with all the orcs and, and Pedraig, right? They kept doing all these other quests, so Pedraig's like... Dude, yeah, we, right. <laughs> the only issue with that right now is that Pedreg's quest that he sent them on after they did the scouting was, I need you to get these allies in the Fagrove mm-hmm. on our side. Right. Well, that's what they're doing. Right. So uh, it's hard to get, have Pedreg get all upset about the orcs because mm-hmm. he's, they're doing what they asked, right? Mm-hmm. So if anybody has any ideas on how I can integrate those quests without making it feel like this weird meta system you know if you have, it, have it feel more like it's part of the actual story that would be a fantastic thing I always try to come to these things with questions and to get help and this is where I need it go help me help me somebody um, I don't know, anybody with that well, why don't you ask them you hear me all anybody the time anybody out there have ideas do you actually use experience in your game no so does it actually matter that's, that's actually one of the things I was going to say is I, I, I think I threw out the whole refined quest system and just started to have you know they, they were just in situations that required exits and, and would have to do it I mean yeah I mean get, it doesn't guess, have to be this like clean I mean I kind of started that way I had like three by five cards and had the quest written on it and, right and I'm not and handing I, them quest cards I actually yeah I was and I, I think we just started throwing those away and sure. the card was like get the deck back you know and right um, my the way the adventure is set up, though, it's very much a matter of you finish this and then they give you another task. Well, even if you don't call it a quest, like I wasn't calling it, here's your quest, right? It was just, hey, you finished this task for Varian, and he's like, oh, thanks. The next thing you could do to earn my trust is this, right? It still feels like a quest chain, <laughs> and they were calling it that. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's all about how you make it linear, like for the letters that are picked up, instead of having the guy ask for the, the letters to have said deliver to or something so you just need to make where they pick it up to start instead which the sister is a good example of sure yeah and something else you can oh, sure. do you have to wait in Gardmore Abbey to to give them that second thing from the same guy until after they finish the first oh that's a good idea well in the, in the adventure they kind of have it as a stage it depends on the month just, but, but the adventure lists it that way but right. like, will it not make sense can, can they not say like here's Three things that would be super. Right. Now, and so, some of them you could do that. Yeah. And some of them, some of them you can't. Some of them you can't really do that. that way it wouldn't be a chain, you know? Right. Or even right. if you could slide some of them off of the same person. Right. You know, make a second person in his organization. Mm-hmm. So it's not so it's not this one than the other thing. And I'm wondering if I can't use, like, use Oakley like you did mm-hmm. to say, you know what? Why is he following them around helping with this thing? He doesn't care about the orcs. He doesn't care about the Fagrove. Maybe he just says, you know what, screw you guys. I'm going to go up to the temple, and then right. he's going to stir up some stuff. You right. know? Right. <laughs> maybe he... Yeah, a house explodes. <laughs> well, what maybe, the hell is that? Maybe the gnolls and the minotaurs down, down there don't even know what's going on, right? They're so busy conflicting yeah. with each other. Well, and then Oakley shows yeah. up and stirs things up, and so they poke their heads out, and you know now the minotaurs are running down the hill to yeah. stir up some trouble just to distract them from... I mean, the thing to always keep in mind is... Name, so I can put you on the list for prizes. Yeah. Brian. Brian. And I know your name. We have questions right now. Yeah, remember, if you ask questions, you get in. You get potential prizes. My name is Joel. <laughs> if there's a group of orcs attacking, do they need someone to say, could you go please help out with the that horde raising the village over there instead of giving them evidence of the orcs seeing the aftermath? Mm. And would they do anything on their own? So maybe one of the things I could do is, um, like we talked about with, with Oakley going off and doing his own thing, maybe while they're dealing with the stuff in the Fagro, the orcs are meanwhile attacking the village. Yeah, right. And, and that, that's what was happening in ours, is, yeah. is the orcs were still being a royal pains in the asses. Right. You know, after Pedraic gets me, at the party. Meanwhile, the orcs have, like, are, are scared to death of these, like, five Eladrin hiding in the fake <laughs> the woods, right? The woods are, like, The woods are scary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so was, yeah. But, I, yeah. I thought they were afraid of that nightmare tower, that, that far realmy tower that's down there. Because that's a whole other thing. Well, that's where my PCs are headed now. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, we're not going to count that because you got people talking. All right. So, uh, Michael, uh, I was going to suggest 
two things that are somewhat related. They go slightly Because you've, you've run Gardmore, right? I have, yes. I'm not all the way through it, but, but yes, I run the first. Ladies and gentlemen, the online DM. Yes, thank yes. you. <laughs> so, two things. One is, this applies more to variant quests, I think, than some of the others, but Pedraigs as well. They don't have to necessarily say, thank you for doing this, now please do that. It can be, thank you for doing this. You know, and, if it's, and then let them go on their way. Exactly, go on your way. And then later, maybe they will reach out to the PCs and some, hey, hey, something else has come mm -hmm. up. Um, like with Oakley's quest, that probably wouldn't make sense. I need these three things, go get them. I mean, mm -hmm. but so that's one thing. It doesn't have to be quite so linear. The other is, I think, just piggyback of what Mike was doing in his campaign, uh, and Mike, you were just talking about have people asking them for things that are mutually exclusive, at least in time. Like, I want you to do this now. No, I, I, I need you to do that now. Mm -hmm. and, and then they do have to make some choices. Um, I think it sounds like they've been able to make it pretty linear. And if you have, like, Oakley Tag Blanc, yeah, make him, you know, complain and then say, I need mm -hmm. this now. And then Pedre complains and Varian's complaining. And so they are making some <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that was, that was, yeah. I mean, having, I, I think the idea of having multiple NPCs with some, you know, you're, they're not evil, right? Yeah. They're not fighting each other, but they have conflicting goals and f conflicting drives for yeah, the PCs. And the, the thing you, you want to make sure to do with that that I didn't do and it, and it caused a problem is I didn't make it clear that that was the case. Right. So they were like, I, you know, so it was kind of like whoever the last person was yelling at them was the right one, you know? Like, well, you had, you know, you had Lord Pedrea yell at us, so that must mean we have to go do the work quest. I was like, no, you actually had a choice, right? So sometimes it's hard for the for the players to understand the difference between an NPC yelling at them and the DM. Yeah, that was exactly. I, I think, I think that's this. exactly. That was exactly what they got. Was, they're like you're 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 putting us on a railroad. I'm like I'm not doing anything. The, you know, Pedraic's pissed and he's a lord, so he talks. You know, he gets all in your face about it. Right? He's too good a role player. Yeah, I'm sure that's the problem. <laughs> you had. Yeah, Josh. I was actually going to suggest something like I think Michael just did. Cartwright could sort of be that X factor. Maybe he goes and starts recruiting yeah, the orcs. Well, he's he's yeah. So his whole thing is he's a Tharzadun priest, right? And he's yeah, he's all he's all into the abyssal plague, and that he's he's really underwritten in the yeah. adventure too. Mm -hmm. It's like he's crazy, right. you know. And like, oh great, I got another villain that's crazy. But you know, you could I mean yeah. somebody could really take an because all the like other that. villains have some serious well, story not all well, like the dragon. I don't think right, has so. much, and the beholder doesn't. But the you know the yeah. beholder's like I'm waiting here for yeah. for PCs until I can zap them. <laughs> <laughs> The yeah, but Cartwright can do stuff. Yeah, the Oni Mage can do stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so kind of picking and actually not. Can I shameless plug? On on Monday, my how to run or my you know tips for Gardmore Abbey articles coming out. Right, I talk about, about a lot of ideas for like how you know which of the NPCs you should be paying attention to, and make sure that from like the get go, it's like you say, okay, go, you know, and the go is Vaden Cartwright and the Oni Mage and the Orc Chief and the NPC party and the PCs, and they're all off at the same time, mm -hmm. and how they weave in and out. Uh, is where I think the fun of that adventure is. And was, I, I think it was the most fun to run, and I'm hoping it was the most fun for the players to kind of navigate those and, and see. I think I had multiple players that came back and said, you know, when I saw, you know, this thing coming out from a whole other angle and realized, like, oh my God, he's actually, you know, poor, you know, you made this old guy climb those stairs in the back of the mountain by himself. <laughs> you know, and they realized he had done that and then gotten up and then got immediately captured, you know, mm -hmm. so, so that mattered a lot. Cool, very good. All right, well, if there aren't any other suggestions for me, nope. yes? Uh, who wanna, have, have they met? Na name? John, have they met or become aware of the Greyblades yet? Um, and by no. the way, just one quick thing. They're, they are not actually called that in the adventure. I think I came up... Or the, the, the all Yeah. yeah they're, 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 they unfortunately don't have a name. I think I actually... And I made that up on the I think I think I was trying to remember your name, and I called them the Great Cloaks. But, yeah, but no, the, perfect, the, the PCs whatever. haven't discovered them at all. Well, if you, if you need to break up linearity, they, they would seem the perfect tool to do that. How yeah. they can unscrew yeah. the that disrupts or completely... Uh, screws up. And the adventure is designed in such a way that it sort of says, use these random elements to randomly decide when and where the PCs will encounter mm -hmm. the, this, these NPCs. But it would be very easy to just ignore that and put them where mm -hmm. I need to put them in order to, to make things more dynamic. Well, yeah, and if you have yeah. to thwart one of the quests, then yeah. linearity. Well, and, and thwarting a quest, I mean, sometimes it's not thwarting the quest, right? Sometimes you sh they sh the, the way it's written, right? The, the, the PCs show up to defeat the monster, and the monster's already dead because the other guys mm -hmm. got there first, right? You know? Which can be kind of lame. You know, you kind of lose an encounter. Which can be lame. Yeah. But if they're not even there, it's right. like, 
Yeah, right. You walk into a room. What the hell just happened? <laughs> it's not too often in a D&D game you walk into the room of the dungeon and find a dead monster. Well, in 4E, yeah. I mean, other than the fact that you know what's going to happen in 4E, that would completely screw up your timetable, too. Because if you're like, oh, I had this hour and twenty, you know, hour and 15 minutes oh, right. set aside for a battle, and they walk in like, oh, not here. Yeah. Yeah. adventure, you like, oh. Yeah. All right. Nothing else for me. Then it's your turn. If anybody has any questions or uh, for us or anybody Ooh. else, we're all here to... I don't, it's, it's like a... I don't know, it's like a group therapy session, right? <laughs> We're all going to get together and help each other. Name? Dave. Randall, I also run a session that goes monthly. Yes. And how, how do you keep your players engaged between the sessions and keep them active in it and, and wanting to come back for more? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> my players, I'll be honest, um, I've tried different things, but honestly, my group of players are very much, they're engaged when they're in the session. And that's it. Um, so really the only thing you can do is to make sure that you have um, uh, a synopsis available for what happened before. Because sometimes a month is a long time and a lot of things happen. Um, you can fill in some things with email. Sometimes that works. Sometimes it don't. It just depends on how much. Um, what's funny is that if I try to do emails where other things happen, the players will come back to say, say but I would have done this. And so that doesn't always work out. So, uh, and it's been kind of hard because I would really like my players to engage more offline, if you will, uh, in times other than in the game session. I just don't have players to do that. Well, at one time in the history of the campaign, we've been running three years, they actually broke out in character on email, mm. trash talking each other. And I thought that was the greatest thing. And like, how can I keep that going? And, and you couldn't. It's hard to do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is very hard to do. And, you know, I don't see – there are some groups that are fantastic, and a lot of it is just your players. I mean, if it's something you're really, really looking forward to or if that makes the game for you, find other players. I mean, that's not the best solution because then you pissed off everybody else that you used to play with. But um, otherwise you just have to – you know, you have to be adept. If you really enjoy just running the game, then – You've got to live in that moment, if you will, and not worry about it. No, and I, and I, I play every other week, um, and so it's not quite as long of a time, right? But um, we've got, you know, we've got the website and the campaign listed there, and there's the forums, and I fill out wikis, and I used to write you know, campaign journals, um, um, sort of summarizing the last the last session and all that kind of stuff. Um, and and I'd say half to. to to three fourths of my players really enjoyed it, right? And they they discuss things on the forums, and they they you know discuss like what their decisions are going to be, and when they start the next session, which is great for me as a DM because then I know what to prep, and um, uh, you know they track the loot on there, and they you know RSVP for the games on the calendar, and they'd read the, through the the summaries I was doing and commenting on it, and then I'd have the two or three players that wouldn't even check the site until it was the day before the game when they logged in just to see if we had a game today. You know, it's like well. In that case, it's hard, you know, and then they show up at the table, and to make things worse, they change the entire discussion, and the players end up not doing the thing that they'd previously said on the forum they were going to do, because those two players suddenly showed up and changed everything. It's like, right. well, all right, then I guess I'm making stuff up on the fly tonight, you know? Players love doing that. They'll you know, come up with an idea, and this is what we're going to do. I'll prep it, and then they come in. It's like, ah, we changed our minds. Like, yeah. No, no, you can't. Right. Oh, you yeah. don't mean to put you on rails here, but this is what we got. Right. You weren't on rails when yeah, you made the decision. Right. You made, you made a choice <laughs> but now you made the game. decision. Yeah. yeah, no, no, absolutely. Yeah, so I mean, I, it's a, and and you 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 make the the session the best you can in there, and you engage people in the session, um, and you know people. I sort of approach my game very much in the, in the with the idea of, I'm playing with adults. We can, you know, we all have lives and we all have things going on. And if your situation is such that you want to engage in the game every other week when we come to the table, great. And you, and you can't do the other things. I understand, you know. In the same way that when people say they can't come to the game, it's like, well, fine, no big deal. I mean, you've got a life or a job or kids or whatever, and, and we try to just say, you know, there's no penalty or anything for for missing a game or not engaging or that kind of stuff. We're all there to have, to have fun together, right? So. One thing that I've done that I've that I, that I've tended to like, and I don't know if it has any impact on the game at all, but it serves a couple of things for me, is doing little bits of flash fiction in between emails. So I'm not really asking for questions. If they have to make a choice, they have to make a choice when they're all at the table, and that choice is made then, and then we move on. Um, but from you know, if I'm off a week or something like that, I'll do a little bit of flash fiction, and one of the things that I like to choose is I'll pick an NPC 
that they aren't they, they either had a slight interaction with or that they know and then talk about you know have it from their perspective on what's going on for that NPC so one of them was I had I had you know one that was strictly you know, for, for Gardmore going back to the Gardmore example I had one that was from the point of view of the Oni mage watching um, watching poor Sir Oakley climb those stupid ass steps in the back <laughs> and they you know the, the vision was f- down you know so they didn't get that the point of view is actually the point of view of a guy standing at the top watching him come up. They thought it was kind of like, you know, God cam. And um, when the, the whole thing was about what happens when Baron Valfar, or when Sir Oakley makes it to the top. The other one was I introduced an entirely new character who was this orc, this spy who worked for the, the orc chief. And I had a whole little backstory of her and who she was. And she, she was a half-orc, half-elf, who looked more half-elf but had the strength of an orc. And, you know, other orcs would, you know, old orcs would leave her alone because they knew that she was really bad. And, and stupid orcs would go and kind of harass her and then she'd kill them. And um, so, you know, just really short, like 250 words. You know, really, I'm really short. I'm going to use that, too. It's, it was cool. Idea. I mean, it doesn't really... I did that because I didn't have Vaden anymore. Right, and I was like, I, I want a smart NPC who's doing stuff. And right. what, what happened to her? Was she no, no, I'm going to use the flash fiction idea. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I thought you meant the or half orc. No, half orc. forget your half orc. That, yeah. That's a ridiculous. Well, idea. she died anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what, what happened to her? She ran around. The PCs never saw her except once in a conversation, <laughs> and then they left her, and then she was killed. So she wasn't all that tough. Half orc, half elf, please. Look, what? That's cool. <laughs> so was she um, also legendary and axiomatic and, and well, apparently not. And <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, so that like. Short 250 words because no one's going to read anything longer than that. And it also helps you get an idea of what's going on in the campaign from this new point of view. So it gives you this wider yeah. view. And it's interesting for piece, for players because they are getting a whole different view that's outside of the PCs, which, depending on how you write it, mm-hmm. can you don't want to, you know... Would you do that then, like... Like when the Oni Mage was watching Sir Oakley climb the stairs, was it anonymous or did they know that the device... No, they didn't know. I mean, because I didn't want to it, blow that. It was just right? the Oni Mage's perspective without saying, right. hey, I'm an Oni Mage. And I don't I'm know that. This old guy. I don't know that anybody went back on Reddit and said, hey, that's the Oni Mage. But I didn't, right. you know. I but you knew. knew. And, yeah, so. <laughs> did you pick up on it? I did afterwards. Afterwards? Yeah. yeah. So I, I think flash fiction is a good way to keep people involved. Yeah. Michael Mallon. Yes. Um, now that with Gen Con coming to close tomorrow, I'm wondering for each one of you, what's the newest thing that you've learned here or something that you're going to take and put into your campaign. Are you asking me about my next campaign? <laughs> <laughs> you can slide that in there. Yeah. <laughs> You've got... Oh, do I get to start? Yes. Oh, man. But, but keep asking. in mind... So I'm, I'm, I'm we, doing, we lose the I know, I know. We're done in seven minutes. I'll, I'll, I'll take it like two. And we got to give away stuff. Um, so I wanna, I'm, I'm, I'm going to D&D next uh, because my... I went to each of my players individually and said, "What do you What do you want to do next?" The op- the options was a, were a Neverwinter Undermountain mashup in 4E at first level, or doing some DNA next play testing. And we've been doing 4E for so long, and we've done it all the way from one to 30 and back down. In the middle, you know, we've jumped all over, and they're all all of them said to me, including people that I thought would be diehard against it, said, "Yeah, we want to try we want to try some next." And all of them with the understanding that we can go back to 4E whenever we want, and probably will. Um, so we're doing D&D next, but um, I asked Michelle what campaign world we wanted to do it in, and she said Eberron. So I thought, well, that's going to be kind of interesting because we don't have any Eberron stuff in next. <laughs> there's no Warforce. There's no Warforce. None of that. <laughs> so as long as we ignore the mechanics, you know, we can we can do it in Eberron. And I picked the Lazar Principalities, which is the eastern. If any any Eberron nerds here. Everon nerds. Yeah, there you go. So yeah. on the on the eastern coast. Speaking of Everon, we have the lightning rail going on. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So, so for the listeners, they put the podcasting room under the train station. Yeah. Great recording here. So um, there's a whole bunch of islands on the eastern side, the Lazar principalities, which have all these. Um, I, I think they call them sea princes that kind of rule. So it's pirates. Yeah. So what I did is I, I actually just bought the four Slave Lord first edition modules. So I'm gonna steal stuff from those. I'm gonna yes. do pirates, and I liked. I really liked what Chris Perkins talked about in the previous uh, podcast that you just recorded about the idea of like Star Trek episodes, where mm-hmm. the each of the islands has their own little story it's going like on. Like its own planet. Yeah. So I don't know how that's gonna work out, and I'm doing it, you know, totally off the cuff. Yeah. So next Wednesday when we get together, it's gonna be here's the setting, and let's roll some characters, and let's talk about what you guys want to do, and yeah. then we'll build from that. But I have. I'm not plotting it out. I'm, I don't. You know. Wow. You, you ain't kidding. My uh, my takeaway from the con, and I just I've sat in like every single Wizards panel, uh, recording things at the con so far, um, and haven't really had time to think about and process much of it. 
but as I hear more and more discussion of D&D Next, we started a, a D&D Next campaign that kind of ran simultaneously with my other campaigns. Um, to, in order to do some playtesting while we were finishing 4th edition and while we are doing other stuff and whatever. Um, and so we had this really kind of interesting and fun idea where we built the world and the PCs at the same time. Like, we all went through character generation together. Okay, everybody roll your stats. Now everybody make up something about the world. And then I made up, you know, the things I wanted to have in there for the story I wanted to tell, right? And then, then we kept, you know, now everybody choose your background. And now everybody make up something else. And we just kept doing this. And I made a big, long list of all the things I made up. And I've started in the wiki of our site, putting it into all kinds of, um, fleshing it out into, you know, a, a setting. And it was really cool. And they were really into it. They are really into their characters. And the first play test we, we, uh, session, we, they got into it. And they did a bunch of stuff. Uh, and the second play test session, they got into it. They did a bunch of stuff. Um, but this was during the Friends and Family play test. Then the actual playtest document came out, and oh, all of your characters are gone. Here's your pregens, and suddenly they didn't care anymore. Yeah. Right? They didn't care about the story. They didn't care about the characters. They didn't care about the setting anymore. And we've and then and then we got the character generation stuff again, and they still haven't quite gotten back into it yet. And so I think I need to maybe just make a clean break, or do something to say, you know, let's go back to your to those characters and let and let let's. Maybe not do the whole generation thing where we, they made something up all the time, but, but let's just do a quick half-hour session of tell me something about your character we haven't established yet, just to sort of get them back into the mind of those characters. And I think that's what I'm going to try to when we get back into some of that. So. For me, actually, Last one, quick. Uh, yeah, Gen Con has not really made an impact on my game. No, I, I mean, honestly. Um, it, I'm running a pretty specialized game, and there's not really the materials that, I mean, you know, I look at the things that I've seen this year, and I've not seen anything super new as far as things like terrain options and stuff like that. And so... I You haven't seen anything in the vendor hall that sparked not, your imagination? Not really. Really? Nothing that's just really Did you go to the Gale out. Force 9 place? Yeah, have you seen the Gale Force 9 one? Yeah, I've seen some of it, but it's not... And then he looked at it and said, I could do better. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's like five levels high. I could do like six. <laughs> well, I've, never, the, I've never seen a 3D terrain that had a ceiling before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, and they've got great stuff, definitely, but... Um, a lot of things I find... Well, I tell you what. One thing that did happen at Gen Con, I had a friend of mine bring in some... Um, uh, there are these things called uh, pallet warning signs. Where you, they're these pyramid-shaped things. They're like this tall, and they're like this wide. And you set them on the top of pallets so that you won't stick something else on top to crush things. Mm-hmm. They're the perfect terrain for pyramids. Hmm. Oh. I'm going to fold these Great. together, set them down, paint them, and so now I've got pyramids whenever I need them. And they're like to scale, right? So they're going to be really cool. Awesome. So I guess that's one little tiny thing. There you go. You're a dwarven forge. All right. We are quickly... We are quickly running out of time. You see the crypts. Mike, say goodbye. Goodbye. talking. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. All right. Goodbye, guys. Bye.